Say good evening, and we greet you in the name of Jesus, the one who has promised that he will build his church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, and I guess this ordination is another step in that direction. You mentioned, Brother Owen, that David wasn't afraid, but somehow when it comes to comes time for an ordination, it can make some grown men afraid, some of us. <laughs> so I wonder tonight if I could get inside some of your heads, I wonder what I would see, I wonder what thoughts, what, what I would find if I could get in there. And I don't know very many of you real well, I know a few of you, but I wonder if you'd be thinking of some things like some of these words, responsibility, sacrifice, serving others, change, that was mentioned already, self-denial. I, I don't know, I don't know what you're thinking about, but I wonder if maybe some of those things. You know, and it's easy for us as humans to go in that direction. But when the uh, schedule was planned, it was decided that tonight we'd start out with talking about the good side. There are blessings to being a deacon. And so we just want to take a look at that. Now, I had a really hard time finding a scripture that just listed, you know, six or seven blessings of being a deacon. I, it's hard to find that scripture. But if you'll turn with me to First Timothy 4, I think we'll find some here. Paul, you know what was happening here. Paul was talking to Timothy, encouraging him as uh, Timothy was a leader of the church. And so in the middle of this letter, here in chapter 4, um, I'll begin reading in verse 6, 6 to verse 16. And there's a few verses here and there that list some blessings. Of, of being, in this case he says, um, in verse 6 he says a good minister, but it actually is the, the Greek word where we get the word deacon from, interestingly enough. So 1 Timothy 4, beginning with verse 6. If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. But refuse profane and old wise fables, and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is, and of that which is to come. This is a faithful saying, and worthy of all acceptation. For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach, because we trust in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. These things command and teach. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things, Give thyself wholly to them, 
that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine, continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. So what are some of the blessings here that we can, we can find um, that Paul, Paul, in the middle of his letter here to Timothy, that, that um, we can apply? And I think the first one we find right there in verse 6. He said, he was, he was encouraging Timothy, you know, you need, to, you need to keep the brethren in remembrance of these things. You know, some of the things that he had mentioned earlier on, the first three chapters. Um, he says, if you do that, you'll be a good minister of Jesus Christ. And then he mentions this, you'll be nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine. So the first thing that I saw, see here is that if, if a person faithfully fulfills the responsibilities, the role of a deacon, it will benefit you personally in your spiritual life. You will receive um, spiritual growth. And I think some of the ways that happens is, is in when, when you go and share with others, those that are in need, often the, um, the deacon, you know, will do a lot of visitation. Or maybe go and, and visit those who are in need. And, and so there's times you need to share promises from God's word. There's time you need to share encouragement, truth. Um, if people are you know, struggling with something, oftentimes we need to get back to truth. And so we share those verses with them. We share, we share truth. And what happens is you, you end up teaching yourself. And, and I've found it. I've found, I've, I'm, you know, in my own life, I face something, I'm struggling with something, and I'm maybe getting bogged down, and all of a sudden I remember, oh, you know what? I remember last week what I told that, what I told the other person. And it just, it just boomerangs right back. And yeah, that same truth is for me also. So, so one of the first blessings that I see, it says, it, it's basically a promise here. You will be nourished up. I think it had the idea of being taught. So as you, as you share these truths with others in the congregation, whether it's, um, I'm not exactly sure how all your practices are here, but in our church, the deacons also help with uh, instruction class. And so as we teach truth, you know, it's, it's reinforced in our own life. So it comes back, and so that the first blessing is your own personal spiritual life will be strengthened. There'll, there'll be growth there. And then in verse 8, well, in verse 7, he had mentioned exercising, that he needs to exercise himself unto godliness. And just a little side note, even for ministers, godliness doesn't just come naturally. You have to exercise. You have to work to be, to be godly. And I think if we're honest, all of us, we know that. It's not, it's not, that's not something new for you. But he's, he's reminding Timothy, you need to exercise yourself unto godliness. Then he says in verse 8, you know, uses the example of bodily exercise. He says, yeah, it does profit. Profits a little bit. Profits, you know, in this life. Good health, that kind of thing. But he says, godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. So, he says, if you exercise yourself as, as a minister of the gospel, deacon in this case, he says, you, you exercise yourself in being godly. He says it's going, to, it's going to benefit you in this life 
And it's also going to benefit you in the life to come, in eternity. And so I was thinking about that. A life of godliness. A life of godliness and integrity. You'll, here's a, just a few things that you'll gain. It gives you inner strength. It gives you more clarity and decisiveness when you're faced with decisions that need to be made. And, and as a deacon, you'll be facing some tough ones, you know. And just a freedom in relating to others. And there'd be more. Those are just three things that I noted. But if you, if you are living a life of godliness, no hidden sin, nothing like that, that, that clouds your ability to make decisions. Because it does. It does. And so exercising yourself into godliness, that's, and those benefits are just in this life. That freedom of relating, clarity, making decisions, and just that inner strength of knowing that you, you're living a life of integrity. And then he says, it will even then benefit into the life to come. So that's, that's a, a huge blessing, being able to, to, to fulfill the role of the deacon with those, those things happening. Then, dropping down to verse 16, He says, take heed unto thyself. And this, this is close to the other one. He says, take heed unto thyself, unto the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. What's our mission and our goal here in life? All of us, but maybe especially us as, as ministers, deacons. First of all, he says, he says, um, Take heed unto yourself, being careful. It has the idea of guarding yourself. Again, that thing of godliness, exercising yourself unto godliness, kind of the same thought there. He says, and be careful about the doctrine that you're teaching. And guard that doctrine. He says, not only teach it, but continue in them. So he's kind of setting up all these things that he needs to be doing as a minister here. And we're, going to, we're applying this to the deacon here. Take heed to yourself, guard yourself, and unto your doctrine that you're teaching, continue in them, walk in obedience, and by doing this, look at those promises. You'll save yourself and them that hear thee. Now, the people that hear us, they need to make that same decision. They need to apply it to themselves. But it is, as a faithful deacon, if you do this, you will be increasing the likelihood of those that are under your care that they also will be saved. But it will also, in one sense, guarantee your salvation. That's, those are three of the blessings that I just picked out from this, this scripture here. The rest of the sermon here, I, I asked two brothers from our church um, that had both served as deacon. I asked them to compile me a list of just what are some of the blessings that they found in their years of serving. Um, one was David Bontrager, and he was a deacon for 37 years at our church. And the other was Gilbert Miller. And I'm not exactly sure how many years he served wasn't as long as David. And so some of these next thoughts that I'll be sharing, just some of the blessings that we experienced, most of them come from what they shared with me. So I want to credit them with that. And these are just some of the 
Well, just some of the benefits, blessings of being a deacon. Number one, one of them, I think, one or both of them had mentioned, was that you gain deeper friendships. Again, think about it. As a deacon, probably doing a lot of visitation, meeting with people if there's financial needs or whatever the needs might be, and, and people that are going through hard times. And as you meet with people, you get to, people in your congregation, you get to know them better. You get to know some of the inner workings of their life. You, you get some of the inside track of, of the struggles they're going through. And it's just sort of a byproduct of spending time with somebody that a friendship develops there. Think about the closest friend you have. It came from spending time together. You don't have a close friend if you don't spend time together. So, so that's just one of those, those natural, uh, one of the, the benefits that will happen as you meet with people. And Because in a lot of times you'll need to meet not only once, but maybe several times, depending on what the situation is, maybe multiple times. And so, so those friendships, friendships will deep, deepen. Um, we have quite a few older people in our church, and we try to visit them now and then. And I find that very interesting and intriguing stories, um, life lessons they've learned. And, and that can even be um, teaching for yourself, and you gain some wisdom that you can maybe share to others also, uh, another thing that happens. But one other thing that happens as you spend time with people, you walk with them through those hard times, is that it develops a heart of empathy. And, and you, you learn to better relate to people. Empathy is just simply the ability to understand and share the feelings that others are, are experiencing. And so you enter into, and that, that maybe comes easier for some people than others, but you, as you spend time with somebody, maybe they're going through a grieving process, a loss, loss of a loved one. It could be multiple things, maybe a, a sickness, just ongoing. Um, but as, they, as you share with each other, you learn to, to identify with those feelings, and, um, and it just, it, it's a blessing. And there's... I'm not going to take the time to, to read it, but if you go into Philippians 2, about verses 19 to 30, Paul is talking to the Philippians. He mentions two people that had hearts of empathy. Um, one was Timothy and one was Epaphroditus. And I'll just read just a few verses, one for each of them that describes these men and, and describes their heart of em- empathy. In verse 20 and 21... Paul is saying this of Timothy. He says, well, he, he said, I'm going to send Timothy your way to your church to help out there for a while. Then this is what he says. For I, for I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. He said Timothy was a man that was outstanding. He is going to care for you like most other people will not. He says he will naturally care for you, for your condition. He says, because other people, they're seeking their own. They're just, you know, you know who's number one in their life? It's themselves. Well, he said Timothy's not like that. But he says, and I think the core reason was, 
because he seeks the things which are Jesus Christ. So, so Timothy had that heart of empathy. He could identify, he could feel for others, and so he was going to be a good leader. Then, and then about Epaphroditus, um, he actually was from the, the Philippian church, but he had gone to help Paul, and while he was there, he got sick. He just simply overworked himself. If you read the surrounding verses, you'll find that he just simply overworked himself to the point of almost dying. And, and so the home church was worried about it, and so, so Paul was talking about this. He says, because for the work of Christ he was nigh unto death, not regarding his life to supply your lack of service toward me. They caught a little bit of a scolding here. Paul said, Epaphroditus had to almost work himself to death to make up for what you didn't do for me. <laughs> but focusing more on the part that Epaphroditus cared about Paul to the point where he just neglected himself. So I think along with that blessing of gaining deeper friendship, I think you also, um, I think God at least wants to develop that in the heart, in your heart as a deacon, whoever that will be, that will be chosen. And actually, like I told our home church, if everyone in the church, every member, has a heart of empathy, it's going to go a very long ways in, in, in making for peace in the church, really caring for each other. So it's not just for deacons. Number two, another thing they mentioned was that you gain wisdom. And I already alluded to this, um, but as you yeah, interact with the older people, relate stories, lessons they've learned, um, just one of the natural benefits that you gain is just simply some wisdom. Um, and so, so take the time to listen, and, and you can use that, what you gain in your own life or in sharing, sharing with others. Number three is if you're appointed to the role of deacon, you'll have opportunities to serve the congregation. Well, that's just a given. But... But one of those former deacons from our church had just mentioned that, that he just found a real satisfaction in being able to serve. And I think it's kind of a core um, desire that God has put within us that it gives you a sense of fulfillment when you, when you go beyond yourself and, and you can meet the needs in other people's lives or be instrumental in, in helping them out. There's just something within us that, that, you know, it just kind of feels like, well, life is a little bit more worthwhile when we're you know, reaching out just a little bit beyond ourselves. So we have opportunities to serve the congregation. And again, I'm not exactly sure how that all, um, what all those responsibilities are here. I should have probably checked with Brother Terrell a little bit more and, and found out. But um, maybe I'll have to go more off of how we do at home in our home church, but you know, helping in the communion service. Um, like I mentioned, instruction class, baptisms, uh, just different things. But just, it affords more opportunities to, to serve. And, and I guess one area where I really enjoy um, is I'm no longer in the role of a deacon. I was for, I think, about five years maybe. But... One thing that I really enjoy is, is teaching instruction class. Um, I, I just love meeting with usually younger people, um, developing a relationship with them, 
and and trying to help them get established and and hopefully it's a relationship that will go on you know throughout the years um i, I just love that and so and and there'll be others and and depending on how you're gifted you know maybe it'll be in a in a different area but part of that is um like it says in second timothy 2 2 and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also it's it, it's part of that enjoyment is is seeing that cycle fulfilled where the things that we've been taught we get to pass on trying to equip the next generation to also pass that on and so that is that is a blessing you have more opportunities to serve the congregation number 4 you gain a sense of peace and fulfillment in knowing you are in God's will his plan for your life. There's been many times I've, I've heard that question raised. How, how do I know? Maybe especially more from younger people. But people that are serious about life, they're saying, how do I know? How do I know that I, you know, I'm really doing what God wants me to do? Well, if you're the one that this weekend gets called to the role of a deacon, you can just rest assured that that is God's will for your life. And you can just know. Now I know. Now I know what he wants me to do. Regardless of how you feel, and we'll hear more about this, I think maybe tomorrow night, you know, maybe you'll feel like, I'm not equipped to do this. I, I, I'm not gifted for this, you know. Um, when I was ordained as a deacon, I did struggle a little bit because there were several other men in church that were way better equipped to handle finances as a deacon than I was. And I'm like, Lord, are you sure? You know, and, uh, but no, I could go back and say, no, this call was given by God through the church, and I could, I could rest on that. And, you know, when that's, when situations would, if, if situations would come up that were more than I could handle, well, there were other brethren in church I could get to help. Um, but yeah, so if you're the one that gets called, you can know this is God's will for my life. So that's a blessing. Number five, sharing verses and encouragement to others strengthens your own faith as well. Second Corinthians 1.4 says, Who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. You can tell that whole series of how we are comforted, comforting others, because we're comforted by God, it's, it's a whole thing that just keeps going. And, and so that's one thing that happens. Um, I think I'd mentioned it before already, that there's been times when I'm going through my own struggle and then I remember, oh yeah, that verse that I shared, you know, and it comes right back, and there it is. So, so as we, that's maybe part of that exercising ourselves unto godliness by sharing those truths with truths with others, then we can also be strengthened in those times when when we're struggling. Another one that one of them mentioned was that peacemakers will be called the children of God. Now, not in all churches are the deacons the one that have to go and take care of all the trouble. 
Um, I know in our church we try to help each other with that load, but still, there are times when you will need to, to step in and try to help resolve a situation. And um, that's not necessarily on the top of the list of enjoyable things to do in leadership. However, Jesus did give this promise. He says, if we are instrumental in promoting peace, facilitating peace between two parties that something has happened, he says, you will be called the children of God. And that is a blessing. If you can be part of that. Building bridges between two estranged parties. That's, honestly, that's something that I personally find in my life. If, if I can help do that, it, there's not much more that brings a, a deeper sense of uh, fulfillment than being able to try to, to bring, bring people back together. Peacemakers will be called the children of God. Number seven, by fulfilling deacon responsibilities, you enable the rest of the ministry team to flourish in their calling. I want to read you a scripture, just one verse, and it's back from in um, Acts 6, where the office of the deacon was was first uh, brought to the fore because there was a need there. But as you read through that account, and then you come to verse 7, and, and I think this is worthwhile noting, Acts chapter 6, verse 7. It's just put right in there at the end of that account. It says, And the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. As I look at what happened there after that issue was taken care of and the deacons were appointed, I think what happened is, is what the twelve said. You know, earlier on they said, you know, it doesn't make sense that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. They says, let's appoint these deacons and then we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. So when those deacons were appointed and that issue was taken care of, that conflict was settled, and now the physical needs were being met, the 12 could keep right on with, with spending time in prayer and teaching all those new converts and the church just grew. It just exploded. And so I think as a deacon... And this is maybe one of the most important um, blessings um, is that you are enabling the rest of the ministry team to flourish and to do their job well. And because it's the way God designed it. Well, that's the end of the list that I have. That was most of the things that they had shared. There's more blessings. Those who have I'm sure Brother Owen could share some things too. I just want to close with something that Jesus mentioned in John chapter 4. Jesus saith unto them, My meat, my food, is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest? Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, 
For they are white already to harvest, and he that reapeth receiveth wages, and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. You can tell by Jesus' testimony. He said, basically he was saying, there is joy today in doing the will of God. And then there will be rejoicing in the future. So, whoever it is that will be appointed to this role of deacon, I just wish you God's blessing. And I hope that this just opens the door for you to at least consider and think about some of the good things and not just all those other things that I mentioned at the start. God bless you as a church.